0: And we are back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode of the High Button Podcast is brought to you by Generous United, our presenting sponsor. They are a membership Based buying group headquartered right here in Atlantic Canada. Their mission, what they want to do, what they are dedicated to each and every day is making sure prescription drugs are more affordable so we can all live healthier lives, whether it's you, a loved one, family member, well, that's the same thing, I guess. Uh, they want to make sure that you are, are living a full life. So a pharmacist, a person that is in your community, a local member, their goal is to make sure that you are living a healthier life as well. Well, Generous United, they have the exact same goal. So Generous United and your local pharmacist will team up together to... Two, make sure you have an attentive personalized service that will save you money on prescription drugs. Head on over to generousunited.ca, that's G-E-N-R-U-S-United.ca, and see if there's some products on there that can help you or a loved one. Remember, generousunited.ca, G-E-N-R-U-S-United.ca. This episode is also brought to you by Osprey Ridge Golf Club, located just an hour outside of the HRM, a Graham Cook-designed golf course, and with golf being back uh, in full swing in the province, you can travel anywhere you'd like to, make sure to head to Osprey Ridge, go on their brand new Renovated patio, grab a cold one, maybe two, maybe three. When you're done playing your 18 rounds, or if you're one of those people that like to get out there just for nine, head on to the patio after and grab a cold one as well. Who am I to tell you what to do? Remember, Osprey Ridge Golf Course that's where you want to be this summer. That's where I'm going to be. That's where everyone involved with High Button Sports will be. We'll see you there. I hope everyone's doing well out there. I know it's been a a great week weather wise, a lot of golf, a lot of sports a lot of hockey, a lot of playoffs, a lot of basketball, are the Jays doing well? I haven't even looked recently at the Jays. I know Vladdy's killing it with those home runs. I think he's leading the league right now. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of normalcy is definitely coming back to the world that we live in. Very exciting. Uh, speaking of exciting, I'm excited to have our next guest on, Brett Himmelman. Brett is on the Canadian National Canoe Team. Uh, he grew up here in Halifax, I believe, or Dartmouth. No, I'm pretty sure Halifax. Uh, and he's traveled all over the world to, to compete nationally uh, for this beautiful country we live called Canada he's uh an exceptional talent when it comes to all sports really he's played lacrosse hockey as well uh but what he really excels in is is canoeing uh I love having Brett on the podcast he's been on before he loves sharing stories about travel uh paddling with the best canoers in the world he actually shared a funny story during this podcast about running into the best canoeer ever uh but nonetheless it was a great episode I'm excited to have Brett here I'm Justin this is the high button podcast here we go you know what comes next
1: Alright, Brett, we are going. How's life? Yeah, no, uh, life's been pretty good. Like, I mean, considering it's been a pandemic and all, it's been uh, yeah. been, a, been a crazy last few years. Like, I just look around the studio, wow, like, you guys have grown so much since the last time I've been on the show. I think it was three years ago after I came back from World Cups. But, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for having me back on. It's... Uh, Definitely, uh, definitely nice to see like a local uh, guy like yourself like growing like this and had some pretty pretty big guests on. So I'm happy yeah, to be yeah. back.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. I think about three years
1: ago and where
0: uh, and where the company was to where it is now, and it's just like yeah, like people always appreciate hard work. It pays off. I'm not saying like I'm a hard worker, but like just consistency allows you to grow as a person, grow as a business, grow just in any aspect of life. And you know, I rarely think about three years ago, but you know, thinking to the last podcast we did. I was in the parents' basement, on the couch, a couple crappy mics, and you just got the job done. But to think about where it is now, it's, it is, uh, is kind of cool to think about that, and it's nice to have reoccurring guests to think about those memories and then think now, and now I get to talk to you and, and see where you are in life and, and see where you've come in the past three years. I know that the Olympics are around the corner, but before we get to all that stuff, um, I think about your sport, and for the majority, when you're canoeing, you're outside so I don't think of COVID really affecting that. How did, how did COVID affect the the Yeah. So, um,
1: we were very, very lucky that we were one of the first few sports, um, to be able to go back to full training, um, uh, during the original lockdown yeah um, like we had to do some pretty crazy processes like we all had to wait single file line six meters apart all waiting one at a time in the boat bay It take us a half hour to get on the water but at the same time we were just appreciative to be able to be on the water yeah um during this last lockdown here we weren't able to use any air club facilities at all you're um, a mascot correct i am yeah. Yeah, yeah uh but currently i'm training on uh, lake Banook okay. i'm uh, a the national team now um i'm now a fully carded member of the national team last time i was on the the show wow. i just came back from world cups but i still wasn't on the team yet okay um so i uh, first made a team in 2019 and right now i'm uh uh, training with the two guys going to the olympics uh connor fitzpatrick and roland varga those guys uh, worked really hard to kind of get there i'm hoping when uh, 2024 goes around that i'll be able to get my spot there but uh right now it's uh, training with the team and supporting those guys and also getting myself ready for some competitions later in the year in september um, uh, i'm going to be uh, competing at the uh, world marathon championships in romania at the end of september Wow, that's exciting. I uh, put my expression of interest for that, and I should be able to get that spot. Um, if the event happens, who knows, with uh, the COVID world and everything has changed, but yeah. uh, they've been able to hold the international races in our sport quite well just because it's an outdoor sport. and yeah. uh, Especially when you're in a boat by yourself, it's pretty pretty easy to stay yeah. distance. Uh, And then um, my goal uh, at the end of uh, August, I'll be going to Ottawa to uh, compete at nationals and national team selections and uh, try and make under 23 worlds or senior world championships. So my goal is to spend some time in Europe. And I mean, it's been a long time since any of us have traveled or competed. Um, uh, I did have the privilege to be able to go to BC for our training camp. Normally we go down to Florida every year. And uh, B.C. is not Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with B.C., (laughs) though. B.C. was beautiful. What month did you go to B.C.? Uh, So I was in B.C. uh, November through a bit in December and then January, February, March. Yeah, yeah, those aren't the best months to be in B.C. Yeah, no. So uh, normally it was called our warm weather training camp Yeah, yeah, yeah. where, um, yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, B.C. was pretty warm. Uh, November, it rained the entire time. And it was like, but at least it was like seven degrees and rain. It was like, all right, we kind of take what we can get. But, uh, yeah, we're getting ready to train for Olympic team trials, like the select for the Olympic team. And we had the lake freeze over us a month before the trials and we had something like 50 centimeters of snow and we're here. It's just like, oh yeah, we're in a summer sport. Normally we're in this time of year in Florida. Yeah. And we can't even get on the lake because it's frozen. And we were supposed to go paddling one day. and we spent the whole day and week because we had the day off. we couldn't go we couldn't go train on the lake. We ended up going sledding one day. So you're in BC, you're out there for training camp, and you yeah. can't
0: even do what you're supposed to do, so you just go sledding. Yeah, we,
1: because uh, we, we were raped right by uh, Mount Baldy. We were on the Shawnigan Lake area. Okay. We, were, we were actually staying at a prep school there. Okay. Um, So I never went away for universities. So I lived at home for my first three years and then had a had a house for the last two. But uh, this was kind of like, oh, it was like dorm room experience, like a yeah. meal hall and all that stuff. I kind of got that uh um this past year which uh you know what it was a lot of fun it was really tough at times too because we were pretty isolated out there like uh you you go on other parts of the lake and you you probably don't even get service in some areas they were kind of we were pretty out there but it was a beautiful lake the school was very accommodating to us they were all very very welcome to have us there but um Definitely hoping we're going back to Florida for the, the following year because uh, as as much as I love BC, I, I do miss Battling Photo shirt on and yeah. uh, the sun and the beach and all that stuff. And um, But, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. The same week I, I went golfing. Uh, that weekend after recovery week okay. and uh, went golfing at Duncan Meadows. They had the Canadian amateur championship there in 2018, I think it was. Okay. Uh, beautiful course, even though it was a swamp. My first shot, I think, plugged about two feet into the ground of the golf ball. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what you're getting for golf in February. Yeah. But then the week after, we had 50 centimeters of snow. You snow everywhere. Like, we're building snowmen on our deck and yeah. uh, other <laughs> snow objects. And then, um Yeah, no, and camp paddle on the lake and I was like, Wow, yeah, we're we're training in winter in Canada. It's like almost kinda seemed like a rocky forest kind of style training camp in that sense, but
0: I love that like about what you do. I remember the first time you came on the podcast, you talked about a story when you went to Florida for the first time by yourself, like without your parents or something like that. And you said that you really appreciated the sport for a couple of reasons. But one of the reasons was that you get to travel the world and go see some amazing places, meet some amazing people, and at the same time, stay fit and healthy and get to compete in a sport that you love. And I remember the last podcast we did, that was probably one of the things I took from it was that you get to be able to travel all over the world and one uh, you know, you get to stay in shape and compete with some of the best people in the world. And if you think about what you're doing now, yeah, you're in BC and I know the weather wasn't great, but like, you're still traveling, you're still doing it and you're still just appreciating it from like, you know, the tone of your voice.
1: Like, yeah, yeah. you'd love to be in Florida, but you could tell, you know, you're still pumped to be in BC. No, compete sure. And, uh, BC is, uh, I've always wanted to go to BC. I never been to BC. Oh, you've before. never been to BC. Um, oh, so man. that was my first time I, uh, ever been to BC. Um, so I was like, all right, this is, this is going to be a really cool experience. And, uh, funny cause we were in a small town, Seanigan Lake, I think 2000 people. And do you know how um, far that is from Whistler? I'm trying um, to get like a... so we were on Vancouver Island. Okay. I lived uh, on so... Vancouver Island for a bit. Yeah, oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what, uh, what area on Vancouver Island?
0: <sighs> well, my dad was in the military and there's a military base on Vancouver Island. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure the town. But we lived on the military base. It was like military housing. Okay, nice. but I could not I d I couldn't I couldn't tell you the name, the place.
1: Yeah. So we were about fifty minutes north of Victoria. So we were like kind of like in between Victoria and Nanaimo. But the uh, this same small town that we were training at uh, was one of my housemates. Uh, Joey actually was from that. Uh, two, two of my good buddies from here were actually from that small town. And I was like, I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm going to your province. I'm going to BC. I was like, oh, what area? I'm going to Shongan Lake. And he was like, dude, do you not realize uh, where this is? This This is where I live. Like my <laughs> parents live just down the road from where you are. And I was like. I was like, "No way! Are you kidding me? Like, no! The world can't be this small." Where right? yeah. I'm going, I'm going across across the country, coast to coast, and yeah, um, yeah. No, it was. Uh, I, get, I had dinner at their house a couple times, and it was uh, before they really got shut down there. And um, yeah, oh, you got was, to
0: exp- you got to do this before the shutdown.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, for the, the first week I was able to, the first two weeks we were able to go over it cause you're still able to, allowed to have a, a yeah. bubble there. But then about second week in November, they kind of shut everything kind of down. It was, um, just household only, but, um, we were all in one household cause we were all staying on the school. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I got so you. we were all able to interact with each other and, um, like within our team. Yeah. Um, cause we had, um, there was the whole team was on one floor mm-hmm. of our, our, dorm and, um, we had our um, meal hall times and all that stuff, but... we, uh, we had those, uh, the word they use a lot was cohorts. And when we got to Burnaby, cause we, uh, that's where we raced. Um, there was a lot of cohorts and had uh everybody kind of had to be separated. And we, uh, CKC did a great job of setting up these protocols. And, um, if you, somebody would have told me. Does CKC me in, stand for, uh, Canoe Canada, my Okay, bad. sorry, no, it's all good. Yeah, um, but in November, if somebody would have told me or even in January that it was like, oh yeah, like trials in March are going to happen, uh. The, the way they are at the exact date they planned, I would yeah. have said, you know what, that seems a bit uh, ambitious and tough because yeah. it's, uh, it's a pretty hard, uh, it, it's hard to coordinate anything or plan anything right now. And you, you saw how the NHL and everything and all the obstacles they've had to go to and bubbles and all that stuff. And the fact that we're able to have a selection set of trials in March, um, it must it must have been an organizational challenge for everybody involved, but uh, they did a great job just oh, yeah. uh Making sure that we're able to race. And at the end of the day, like, there was a lot of people that were disappointed that they're not going to the Olympics, myself included. But um, I think all of us were just appreciative that we were able to race more Mm -hmm. than anything Mm -hmm. um, after not racing for so long. Um, Okay. But uh, this year, um, like twenty twenty, like um, ADCKC Atlantic Division Canoe Kayak Canada, um, we were actually able to have a f- almost a full season of just local races. So where awesome. where did you race? Like Banook, most um, yeah, we had uh, we had three races at Banook uh, this past year, and it's just like it's like wow, we actually had a season in like August. We still we had a full Atlantic Championships. Yep. Um, which was a lot of fun they they gave normally it's uh, just like qualifying for nationals but uh, they gave out medals they made it a a big event and it was like you know what actually kind of gave it was like yeah there might not be any international or national events but you know what it gave a lot of people like locally a reason to train and you had guys who might have been out of the sport who came back just to train part-time because they're either they're not working or they need another activity to do, but it uh, really showed how tight knit our paddling community is. It's really, uh, it's a really close group of people. Like uh, I don't think there's any real like bad people, like everybody that's involved in the sport, especially at uh, the older ages, they're all, they're all good people and are really in it for the right reasons. I think so. I remember when I was uh, a kid
0: and I was at Maskwa, and it was technically just my summer camp. Like instead of going to a hockey camp or something else, my yeah. parents would just chuck me to Masqua. And I do remember the, the community was very friendly. There was no, uh, you know, I remember going there for the first day and I knew a couple people, like I knew a couple friends in there. So that was nice. But I remember just becoming friends with like 10 people in one day, all, uh, all just happy kids ready to be there. One, they're outside, you know, fresh air. That's great for
1: children. Great for just people in general. It's, uh, it's awesome. And uh, we were able to run at Masqua. I was, I've been coaching at Masqua since 2016. No way. Yeah, no, I've been a summer coach and I never really went through this. I started the sport at Fifteen years old that's Uh, late right? i started it really really late and basically what happened was uh my grampy um one of his uh tavern buddies um uh his son ian miller uh went to junior worlds and he was in pretty good shape and i was a pretty scrawny kid (laughs) um like uh i was i was an okay hockey player but uh my i think my size always kind of hindered me i was always the smallest guy in every team i think that like 13-14 13-14 years old I must have been under 100 pounds I was <sighs> sc- scrawny as it gets and I think even when I was 15 I was still probably only a buck 20
0: but wouldn't that be a good thing for can- a canoeer like
1: to- um, light t- I mean, being being light, so it's all about kind of, like, power the weight ratio. Um, like, I know some guys that are, like, 150, 160, uh, 160 pounds, and they're just, like, they're as quick as it gets off the line in sprints. And then there's other guys. Uh, you look at some of the size of the Russian guys, and they're big 200-pound monsters. And it's wow. just like, oh, yeah, these guys look like they could just bench press my, my whole body with, uh, like it's no tomorrow. And I think uh, when I was over in World Cups, I uh, this was when I was in Germany, and I was in the elevator just going up the room by myself and then there was six guys on the Russian team and I'm like oh my goodness like just the size of some of these like yeah, some yeah. of these athletes it's uh, it's quite phenomenal but everybody's got a different body type like you look at the two of the top paddlers in uh, the world right now Sebastian Brendel and um, Dos Santos from Brazil uh, Brendel's from Germany where Sebastian from sorry? Uh Germany okay okay and the uh, two of them have completely different body types. Um, uh, Dos Santos from Brazil, like, he's, he's a shorter guy, but he's big and stocky, um, has a really sh- uh, short, explosive exit stroke. And then you have Sebastian Brendel, who's got a very long, powerful, like, yeah. um, very efficient, um, like very heavy up front. Yeah. yeah, like, very long stroke. And you, you see these two guys, and they're two, two of the fastest guys in the world, yet they're completely different body types, um, completely different paddlers, different styles and everything and that's kind of the beauty of our sport because um like especially in canoeing like you can be a smaller guy like i'm not the tallest guy in the world but um uh you make uh you make do with uh what you got you try and find like right now i'm i'm not the tallest guy but i'm a pretty heavy guy and i'd like to think that i'm uh, relatively strong but um you just kind of have to find uh, what works best for you. Like you could have uh, four people in a C4 and um, yeah, you take uh, everyone has their own different strokes. But um, at the end of the day, it's whatever makes you connect and whatever makes you go fast. What's your body fat percentage? Um, I actually don't know. I don't think I've actually taken a body fat percentage since high school. Uh, oh, yeah. My weight fluctuates quite a bit, though. I think uh, when I was in BC, I was storing a bit of winter weight. There was a couple times on the scale I was pushing 200. Uh, but we right now, work. when I, yeah, yeah that uh, that COVID weight, when uh, I was yeah. just like, oh, yeah, just. Uh, a couple skip the dishes orders, too many. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I wish I could get all that money back from Uber <laughs> Eats Delivery, especially when, we're, uh, when we came back from BC, um, I had to spend uh, two weeks in the hotel and downtown hotels that's where you gain the weight right yeah there. and it's just it's just uh we had the it was a really nice hotel it was the homewood suites in halifax and they had a pretty good setup for us we had the gym and the rowing machine and that stuff but yeah. we had a little kitchenette and it was just like oh well do i try and make something or i was just like oh i got uber eats and it's going to be here in 15 minutes because i'm right yeah. in downtown <laughs> i was just like yeah it's just like oh i don't want to spend seven dollars on delivery but at the same time i'm just like yeah I'm, I'm just about as lazy and i don't want to cook right now oh, yeah i hear you but the, uh, yeah, cause coming home, we have to do the isolation and the, uh, the first time when we came back from November and it's just like, it's like, oh, it's like two weeks away from Christmas. I'm like, damn, I just want to go like see my family and my friends and everything. And it's yeah. just like, I guess that was like a part of some of the sacrifice that we kind of had to made. It was just like, yeah, we have the privilege to go to training camp, but then when we come back home, especially to Nova Scotia athletes, it's your, your two weeks by yourself in a hotel and. You just kind of it's just like oh yeah i'm trying not to pace like a zoo lion around but at the same time it's uh it's just what we had to do it was all kind of a part of the grind like uh, everybody on the team is like going to bc like it was a long time away from our families and especially from like being in nova scotia like it can be four hour time it can be hard to talk to some people at some times too yeah i know my mom she i think the first like week she would call me at 4 30 in the morning
0: oh yeah bc time
1: yeah yeah and um yeah it was 8 30 30 whenever she wakes up and she she goes, oh yeah, hi, honey, how are you doing? I'm like, mom, it's 4:30 in the morning. I'm trying to sleep. Like, come on, like, can you can you please call me in a few hours? And I was like, oh, I just wanted to see if you're up. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna be up right now. I-, I love you, mom, but please can we just have a couple more hours? <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, and um, all my family and friends, they, uh, I've I've been away um, almost for the winters ever since I was you know, yeah. 15, 16 years old between Florida and. Um, Like this year, I don't know how many total weeks it was, but it was January, February, March, and then if you include the isolations, November, the fall camps, it's it was almost six months away, and it's crazy. It's uh, it's it's quite a grind. Like uh, we hear from like the NHL players in the bubble and how tough that was, and um, it's just like yeah, we we were in a pretty kind of similar bubble style where. We were like, uh, luckily, our lake was right across from where we we're staying. But yeah. at the same time, too, it was like, oh, you're you're kind of trapped and you're escaped. You can't really kind of go anywhere, and uh, especially where we're in a pretty isolated community, it was like, yeah, no, your 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 closest civilization's at least a twenty minute drive, so. Yeah. Um, like we had a really good setup. So it was like, uh, we had our dorms up on top of the hill. You had the meal hall and you had, uh, our boat, uh, boat crates. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, where we had some frozen boats. Uh, I never thought I'd ever have to take an ice scraper to my canoe, but. Oh, uh, did
0: that ruin it at all?
1: Um, I had a few, uh, little paint chips, uh, on the side, but, uh, those ber- boats are all made out of carbon fiber. They're all pretty sturdy for okay. the most part. So. Yeah. Um, there's not really uh, they're made well, and um, I like I I bought a brand new boat in the fall. And uh, if you don't want me asking, and like what, what's a, what's a top of the line canoe boat? How much does that cost? Um, like so it's just the one one. Yeah, person? so it's anywhere between four to five thousand. Um, that's what I. That's what I. Okay. Yeah, and uh, if some people get very customizable paint jobs, um, which can also uh, really jack that price up. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm quite known for some colorful outfits. I got the. Every, I think every time I race the trials, I got a almost a disco floor checkerboard unisuit. And I'm like, oh yeah, that might look kind of cool in the boat. But at the same time, too, I was like, yeah, I'm not spending two thousand dollars on a paint job. <laughs> the new boat I got, it's white with a bit of like sparkle paint underneath it. And okay, cool. I uh, yeah, I got the my name and kind of sparkle. I actually just put a new decal on my boat. Uh, What's a decal again? Uh, it's like a sticker. Okay. Um. Yeah, I put the a second wind sticker. Um. A buddy of mine, uh, Phil O'Hara. Um, um, you might uh, recognize the name. It's uh, uh, Brad Crosley's, uh, um, uh, I'm not sure what to say, but it was part of Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Okay. Uh, so he knows Brad Crosley really well and uh, like that whole family. But I got close with Phil um, just within the last couple of years, and uh, we became sailing buddies, and then we've become really good friends over time. Uh, he's got uh, terminal cancer right now, so oh, he's, no. he's in a really hard fight with that, but yeah. Um, he uh he rebranded his uh his whole sailboat uh from the Island Girl to uh Second Wind this year. I love that and, name, um, Second Wind. Yeah, no, and it's uh yeah, no, it's just kind of the the second wind of life right now. It's uh, he's been fighting hard and he's uh definitely been a trooper of it all and we're supposed to be doing some racing uh, of sailing this year, uh some Wednesday night racing and uh we're pretty excited for that. We got the we're getting the boat all ready to go and uh we got the shirts, we got the deckles. I put one on my canoe. We got deckles all over the boats. Uh we got uh everything and we're going to try and have uh have a good fun season um, awesome yeah no uh buddy of mine Matt Warner uh, he played junior a hockey um uh, in Campbellton and Yarmouth but uh, he's also going to be joining us in Salem he's living down in Shelburne right now due to work but uh, okay. he'll come up and race with us a couple times too and uh, well hope hoping he comes up I'd like to play some senior lacrosse with him at some point in time Is but, senior
0: lacrosse happening this year?
1: Um, we're just kind of waiting to see when all the restrictions are really going to be lifted like um, it was, uh, we were supposed to have a season starting in May but then like the, the perfect storm was shut down I was supposed to also be helping coaching the uh, Southwest Bantam team as well too oh, Jesus. Um, but then it would, it'd be a real shame if lacrosse kind of got shut down for yeah. a full two years because like, like hockey got somewhat of a season like paddling we had a full season like basketball soccer a lot of their sports got good seasons but yeah. in, indoor lacrosse never had a season last year and no. If we, uh, we get delayed again this year, it's going to be really hard for a developmental standpoint for kids, to, and especially yeah. the, when they're picking sports and it's just like, oh, yeah, a sport haven't played in two years to register for the following year. So mm. hopefully, like, everybody's getting their vaccines and getting tested and all that stuff. So we'll be able to, uh, like, have, like, um, stuff like indoor sports and indoor dining and all that stuff come back when it's safe to do so.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping September we see some normalcy when it comes to, like, you know, the Metro Center being – packed even if people have to wear masks whatever but at least if it's full i don't know in other aspects too it'd be nice to, to have some normalcy in september but yeah. hey that's out of our control um i want to know about uh the olympic trials and how many people from canada get to go to the olympics in 2022 to represent uh i guess the canoeing community and how much did you miss the the mark by like what's the time how, how much uh, Do you know what I'm trying to ask? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. How does that Um, work?
1: Yeah, so our Olympic team trials, they were in March in Burnaby. And um, our set of trials for men's canoe specifically had a big, crazy dynamic to it. Uh, so we had the C2 races. Our C2 races got done, um, and there was two people selected there. But then there was still a C, potential C1 spot up for grabs. So how many people um, get to go? So right now there's two people going. There was a potential for a third spot. But okay. um, Canada as a country, we um, didn't get to qualify that last spot. But um, the last uh, – so it's two finals, how it works. Um, okay. So there's a final one, final two. And then whoever wins two, the two finals, um, if it's a different winner, the two finals, then there's a race off between the third. Ooh. Um which uh that could be as stressful as it gets. I haven't gotten to do one of those yet. But um, I couldn't imagine the pressure. Yeah. Um but I was in the uh Olympic trials uh A final. So there is um normally there's nine people in a canoe final, but yeah. because the rowing uh, we were on a rowing course in Burnaby, they only had six lanes. Um, so we were in a like a canal and it was right next to a bird sanctuary and uh, definitely not what we're used to in terms of like a, a race course like we're very privileged with Lake Banook having like an international race course and mm-hmm. normally you have the sets of trials either in Montreal or Georgia and like um, Atlanta Georgia where they've had the Olympics and they have the course and they have everything set up but um, we were at Burnaby where they never really had a paddling event of this magnitude before okay um, so I remember when we showed up we showed up about uh, two weeks before trials and uh we have the course and the course is a bit crooked and it's just a uh the organizers had to do a lot of work to get the the course ready but uh uh, we everything pulled together and um, yeah no but uh, even though the trials weren't perfect by any means we were still able to have our trials and race dude just let me stop you there the fact that like nine guys out of
0: all of canada got to compete and you were one of them yeah, like that's well, pretty for, crazy. Yeah, man. for
1: this year we had a, a six boat final. Like for for C one, I was able to um, be in that final. I finished six in both final one and final two. But um, dude, it still was, you yeah, made it was, there. Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was some it was up and down. Like it was a bit disappointing the ra- uh, some of the races and results. But that's a part of racing. Uh, men's canoe right now is very competitive. It's very, like you got um, we had ten guys at our training camp, and the, all ten guys were all like. High level elite, like there wasn't a single weak member of our team in our training group. Yeah. Um, But um, our final two ended up being delayed till April, and we actually had final two here. Um, because there was a potential COVID case on the day of final two. Uh, so we raced two two days of C2 and then we had final one for C1 and then one of the guys in the final for final two yeah. um, had COVID symptoms and um, we ended up, uh, we were at the race course, this was an hour before the race, I was getting ready to go out and then it was just like, oh yeah, the race is going to be delayed and it's just like, in the back of my mind, I was kind of thinking, I was like, alright, like I'm going to be, when I woke up in the morning, I'm like, I'm going to be done, Olympic trials, after After this, whatever happens, uh, I'm going to either be training hard for, uh, whatever events coming up next. Um, I'll have a little bit of time to kind of relax. And then it was like, as soon as it was just like, oh yeah, Olympic trials is going to be, uh, postponed to a later date and later time. It was like that kind of like anxiety switch just kind of stayed on for about almost about a month. And it was just like, oh shoot. Like, yeah, it's like, we still got another big race coming up and we didn't know if it was going to be that day or it was going to be the next day or a month later. And they kinda of told us that night it was just like, Oh yeah, it's not gonna be in Burnaby, it's gonna be in Dartmouth sometime in April and I'm like, All right, well, Dartmouth in April, like, we know that's uh that that's a very hit or miss. We could we could as well we could have we've had snow in April sometimes. Uh luckily it was the most gorgeous, beautiful, flat day. Was it? Um, so they kinda of had a week blocked off where we were supposed to have it on the Wednesday and I think they pushed it up to the Tuesday. Okay. Uh just to kinda of get the good weather and um but uh, yeah, no. With the uh, it was just it was such a dynamic change of like all the events because we didn't really know what was going to happen or like whether it was going to be canceled, postponed, everything for pretty much almost November on. Like we didn't know if like oh, is trials going to happen? The big event why trials was so early was because the qualifier, like the Olympic qualifying race, the Pan American qualifier. Uh, was supposed to be in April in Brazil, and we all kind of thought in the back of our mind, we say, oh, we look at Brazil, it's a mess from a COVID standpoint, and it was like, there's no way the event's going to happen, and then there was kind of a deadline date, and they're like, oh, yeah, the event's going through as planned, so our trials have to go through as planned, and then they ended up canceling Brazil, like, a few weeks later, and it was just like, oh, what happens to our trials, and I was like, oh, yeah, our trials are still happening, but then there's no Brazil, and it's just... It almost kind of keeps you in limbo because it's just like you always have to kind of like stay sharp and motivated. And it can be really hard to stay motivated when you just like oh some days you're like, oh, what's the point? Is everything going to be canceled? Are we even going to race? And then there's other times just like, all right, yeah, we're a month away from trials or whatever big race we're going to do. You have to get on your horse and get going.
0: Yeah, everyone. It's funny how you talk about things like that and they can relate to absolutely everyone with us with like live streaming, going to hockey rinks and setting things up. It's like, okay, are we going? Okay. We're not going. Things shut down. Okay. We're going. Okay. We're not going. Things shut down with this podcast. Okay. We can have people in the studio. Okay. Now we can't have people in the studio. Like so many things were just on off and it you almost have to stay on your toes the entire time because things could switch like that and you have to be ready. But I couldn't imagine from a competitive standpoint, where you have to be physically ready, mentally ready, and just being able to compete on a on a on a whim—that's uh, that's another level. That's uh, it's it sounds frustrating, but it, I guess at the same time, everyone's dealing with the same thing, so it, you exactly. gotta exactly.
1: It's uh, it's it's been. Uh... It's definitely been like a journey, and I think uh, it's uh, our coach has always said it was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a trials like no other. Yeah. Like uh, for starters, there's not normally an Olympic team trials like this early in the year in Canada. Like we normally don't race in Canada in the winter time. In yeah, Florida. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so luckily it was quite nice in Burnaby because there was um, like a month before that in Shawnigan Lake we were like, oh well, what if what if the lake's frozen for our trials? <laughs> Oh, it was just like, it was like, or, yeah, it's, it was like, that's, yeah, even though it's uh, for March, like mid-March, it's still quite nice there. It's like, even though it's uh, a low possibility, like, yeah, we never thought the lake was going to freeze over on Seanigan Lake either. Like, yeah. um, we were kind of told that it was like, oh, yeah, it's probably going to be a lot of rain. It's probably not going to be very warm, but, like, you'll be able to paddle every day. And then there was a full week where it was just like. We were kind of like on the water and then we would go paddle on the lake and then we couldn't go on that half of the lake because it was all ice. No and, way. That's funny. Yeah. And, uh, we had the, uh, we had a course set up. Uh, there was like a little inlet on the end of the lake where you had like, normally when we're, we do these trainings, we try and, um, we like to have like a thousand meter course of buoys and they built the course with the buoys. But then, uh, that was the first part of the lake to freeze. And that was the last one to fought And it was like, <laughs> it was like, Oh yeah, let's go check out the canal. Oh yeah. Nope. Still frozen all the way through. All right. Jeez. Turn around and. Go around another, luckily it was a big lake. It was an 18 kilometer perimeter lake. Wow. Um, so it was, uh, it was absolutely beautiful, like paddling among the mountains and you look up and you see the snow on the mountains and then, but there's like big grass and trees like down below. And yeah. just from a scenic standpoint, I'm just like, wow, this is truly a beautiful place to paddle. And, uh, sometimes you just kind of have to look up and just kind of, even though you might be in the grind of training, you just kind of have to look up and appreciate, and be like, oh. wow, like I'm really lucky to A, be paid to do what I'm doing to have the opportunity to still be training in my sport and during a pandemic and a lockdown Um and to be in what is like a, a beautiful place like
0: and a great country yeah you know, exactly Being like, in Canada during all this
1: yeah no like we've we've been pretty lucky especially in Nova Scotia like our government's done a very good job of keeping us all safe and even though we've had a few lockdowns and a few like spikes and cases and everything um, for the most part like everybody's done their job and yeah. Like, uh, because, like, cases are going down now, like, hope we're having a normal summer. Like, patios are open. I'm, I'm pretty excited to be able just yeah. to... Have a nice meal on the patio when the stubborn goat uh, gets a little less busy. I'd like to have a big old pulled pork mac and cheese if they still got that on the menu there. <laughs>
0: I know. But, I can't yeah. wait. I saw I was on social media. Well, I'm on, always on social media. But the day, when was it? Two days ago? Three days ago? It was beautiful out. And the, it was the day the patios opened. open. Yeah. It was yeah, almost was, meant to be.
1: Yeah. That was Wednesday. It was a perfect, perfect sunny day. And yeah. it was just like, yeah, this is... Uh, this is this is why uh, we ended up staying home for the whole month of May. Was when yeah. it gets really nice for June, we're yeah. actually able to go outside and do stuff. That's
0: what I was saying. Like, imagine if this lockdown happened in July, August, even September. Yeah. Like the
1: best months, that would have been brutal. Yeah, w- would have been brutal. And like, because we were locked down the whole month of May, and we weren't able to like train out of our clubs at all. But uh, my, I had my canoe on me, and because we were still able to paddle as an outdoor activity, mm. uh, couldn't train with a coach, couldn't train with a training group. But, so you like, just go up by yourself. So? so, I was pretty much going out by myself, or I'd like socially distance with like one or two teammates on the same lake. And but uh, my boat was living on the top of my car for a month because it was like, oh, we can't store it inside of the club. And why couldn't
0: you just, store it inside of the club?
1: Uh, just because all the clubs were closed. But you don't have like your own set of keys just to go in and grab like yeah a... they uh, they they switched out our keys and there it's just like yeah no clubs closed nobody's allowed in or out and oh really so uh, there's a little beach at the end of Carney Lake where uh, most of the people are like fishing and uh, yeah, yeah normally I normally people yeah, just yeah, chill yeah. in the summer and uh, I'm there like every morning it's just like oh yeah unstrap the boat take it out of the cover put it back in it was a whole kind of process and I was just driving around everywhere with a boat on my car and it was just like <laughs> it was just like. Yeah, when I first took it off, i was just like, oh yeah, wait a second here. I I don't need to keep this on here. When uh, we just got back to group training on up just this week. Oh wow! Um, so it was like almost a full month of just like it's just like grinding it out by yourself, and it was really hard training for a coach because like um, you like to get feedback. Especially our sport is very very technical. Do you are you have you guys implemented? Um like video, uh, yeah. So we do quite a bit of video. Um, uh, so uh, my coach does a very good job. Um, he's able to kind of break down like each part of the stroke. So what he's just um, on like
0: the boat and has like a can like with his iPhone or yeah, something.
1: Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's driving around with the motorboat and just uh, he's he's taking the film and then afterwards he'll send it. Always points out about one or two things and cool. Um, yeah, usually for me it's usually making sure I'm sitting up or not going down a little bit uh, too low if my stroke. Um, When uh, it comes from a technical standpoint, like canoeing is a very, very technical stroke. Like um, past fall, like we were working on just changing the angle of my stroke just by a few degrees to to try and get an advantage. And it was just they showed the angle and it was just like, oh, yeah, like this is like 65. Forget the number of degrees. Like uh, you don't need to go that far at the angle. You can come a little bit closer and then try and get more connection and power. That's crazy. Um, Would you
0: rather be more powerful or have great technique when it comes to canoeing? Uh,
1: so you need you really need the whole package. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Like uh, with our sport, like you, you need to be very powerful at the front, like um, you need to be very efficient and technical in the exit. Like um, uh, we do a lot of what's called GA1 paddling. Uh, so GA stands for like general aerobic, um, which is like your general aerobic base, which is usually around seventy percent of your heart rate, uh, and for us is anywhere between thirty-eight to about forty-one strokes per minute. And we do about a 10 or a 12K at least once a day. Um, usually in the morning and uh, sometimes we do even uh, two in a day and it's just just working on that efficient stroke where it's just you're trying to be powerful at the front you're working on all those technical parts and you're out there for almost an hour and you're trying to trying to hold the pace hold the time a lot of it's all weather conditions if it's a really windy day it's harder to yeah work on the technical aspect some of it uh, especially towards the end of the week it's just like all right you gotta just grind it out and make the most of this but then it's uh when you're doing about eight or nine of these workouts a week. That's up it's uh it's 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 hard mentally because you're you're waking up and you almost kind of be deja vu it's like wednesday morning tuesday morning um it's just it's it's the same same kind of workout every day but it's what we need to work on and it's what uh, makes us better and it's what works too like Mm. um the canada men's canoe team has just at the level has really gotten higher and higher and higher over the last uh, two three years Mm. and um it's just because we've all been sticking to like a very similar training program all working on getting like great general aerobic base and um hopefully when we all we haven't had international competitions in a few years hopefully when uh we, we all get the race again on wearing a canada jersey it shows in our international results yeah
0: that's exciting stuff man just getting better and being able to compete against the other people within the world in
1: different countries That's exciting stuff being able to show off your stuff that you work so hard for. Exactly. And it's uh, like normally like some people you might go one or two years between uh, international competitions depending on if you you make a team or not or like it's it's just like yeah you have one at the end of the summer you might not have one till the end of the summer next year mm. but uh for us like um before like our olympic team trials in march we never had a national competition till or we had the trials in june 2019 and then there was nationals in august 2019 but that was almost two full years before Jeez. we had uh like a competition where we're facing against the best of the best in the country it's crazy all that
0: training, just for how long would the race be?
1: Um, thirty seconds, forty uh So for a thousand meter race, you're looking around maybe around four minutes, a little bit under, or over, depending on wind conditions. You have it on your back, might be under. If you're going on a head, then yeah, it's going to be a lot. More, probably another thirty seconds of pain is like what I gotta say if if I know I'm going up against a headwind. It's just like all right, yep just just be just be ready to hurt for another thirty more seconds and then. I remember back when I used to paddle at those regattas at Banook
0: the most intense feeling I would get right before the horn went up bell, whatever the gun, whatever it yeah. was, right before the the race started. I can't describe it or I can't compare it to any other feeling I've ever had in my entire life. Just sitting there two seconds right before that gun goes off and you're looking at five people on your right two people on the left whatever it is and you're just about to race for a minute four minutes like you said it's a it's an intense feeling and at the level I was at you know obviously just having fun but at that level you're at I, I couldn't imagine what goes through your head do you do you just try to stay calm or do you just focus on the goal what goes through your head a couple seconds before the gun goes off yeah
1: so like kind of the whole process I'm just trying to like stay as calm as I can like I try and stay relaxed I try to stay like loose like I don't try especially before like on the dock I'm just trying not to I'm not trying to sit there and just kind of focus on the result. I'm just trying to focus on, like, all right, like, let's go have a good race. Let's take good strokes. Let's see what you got, and let's do everything that, uh, like, you've done all the work. Like, the work's been done. There's nothing that you can do an hour and a half before the race that's going to make your race an hour and a half later any better. You just gotta be confident in what you're doing. But when you're sitting on the line, you're even though you're going straight down a lane and it's you it's only you in your lane, there's no other boat in your lane. Um, when you're looking you have few guys your left, few guys your right, and it's just like you're just like, all right, trying to focus on having tunnel vision, like not worrying what's going on the rest of the race. But at the same time too, if you're you're racing for a position and you look over and you see someone who's ahead or behind and you'll be like, all right, yeah, I gotta I gotta do something like Um, for, uh, this was, uh, um, probably the most intense and closest race I've ever been in, but this was last year during Atlantic's. Um, I was racing against my C2 partner who I race with at Atlantic team trials or at the Olympic team trials, my bad, um, Mark James. And, um, he, he's, he was an awesome C2 partner. Um, really enjoyed, learned a lot from him. Yeah. He, it's actually his 30th birthday today. Happy birthday, Mark. Um, so, um, yeah, and um, uh, he is from Sonobi, so one of the clubs on Dartmouth, and then I was Masco, so we're always uh, we're one of the two guys that always race at almost every single Atlantic Division regatta. Like we like to race locally. Like racing's the fun part of our sport. Like. Um, like it's, uh, even though we do 95% training, like, um, when you have the opportunities to race, like I like to take every opportunity, to race that I can, because, yeah. um, that's, that's the fun part of our sport, whether it's just a, a local regatta where you have just uh, the kids watching you and like the younger kids from your club, or it's, uh, on a big international world stage. Um, it's, it's all still just for like, we, we do the sport because it's fun. Yeah. Um, not not because we're getting uh, paid any big money or for yeah. any other reason, but. Um... Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty windy day on Benook, and we were. I knew he was on my right side, and like right I was next to the, you, like right yeah. on your right. Okay. Yeah, he was he was right on my right. I was on the left, and then I was out a bit ahead, and I was just like, all right, I can't see Mark, but I know he's there, and I know he's gonna be breathing down my neck, and just the the last like going through, just I was just like, all right, just push through that middle 500. It was a pretty big crosswind on the side, and I was just like, just keep pushing and pushing, and then I know as soon as that, because on Lake Banook when you get to that 300, the uh, you have the board boardwalk that kind of um blocks the wind a bit and i was just like as soon as i get to that 300 i know mark's going so i need to go go like a battle to hell there and um mark wherever he was where i didn't see him he caught right up to me and we were going almost stroke for stroke like just for the last like 200 meters and it was just like i just kept seeing a move up in my profile vision and i'm there i'm like i no, i'm taking the ugliest strokes of my life right now because like i was like my shoulders everything is just so sore i'm just like gunning it gunning it gunning it and uh had to do what was called a boat shoot What's where that? basically you kick your boat out in front of you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know what you um, mean, yeah. Yeah, I can, uh, I can send you a picture of what it looks like. But basically, your foot's above your head. The front of your boat is shooting forward with the nose up. And, um, a lot of the times you end up falling in, um, uh, whenever I do it in a race, usually the kids I coach after, they try and do it. And, uh, I'm just like, yeah, you see me do it, but don't you guys do yeah. it? Because at the end of the day, you guys might go backwards or tip before the line. And, um, I ended up, uh, shooting before the line It was 0.01 of a second between me and Mark. Was it a race.
0: picture finish? Like, how do they get that? How do um, they
1: like fo- photo finish? So there and, is a camera. Okay, yeah, yeah. They had the camera and it was like this much of the boat. Wow. Um, just like a very, very small. It was like just, just a few inches between that, and it was just like uh, it was a, it was a headwind. So it was a forty-minute and twenty-second, four-minute, not forty. <laughs> that would be a hell of a <laughs> race. Yeah, no, uh, four-minute and twenty-second race that came down to point zero one of a second in the end. That do, you do, you, do you have a picture? you give a picture of it? Yeah, I do. Um, I'll just uh, bring that up right here. But um, that is crazy. Yeah. No, it was like. Even though it was just a local regatta, it was it was our big race of 2020, really. So yeah, absolutely. Um, even though it was a local race, I was still like just um, like I was like, oh yeah, I I want to win this thing. Yeah. And Mark was the same way, and um, it was about as tight as it gets. Well, this is the finish line camera right there. Oh my god. Yeah. So you you, you barely see the space between the two boats. I wonder if I. Maybe be able to see and then uh, that. I that's can show crazy. you what the uh, the high def. Uh, one of my uh, friends of mine got uh, a pretty good photo at the end. But if you ever wanted to see what a boat shoot looks like, you see what the yellow is there. That's the finish line between the two of us. Also, this race. is that race. That's, this, this, this is, is that race there. And you go, a full thousand meters can come down to inches like that. So that's not illegal what you did, like a kick. As long, t- as, as long as you stay in the boat and the boat crosses the line, it's as legal as it gets. But if you tip before that, if you're out of that boat before your boat crosses that line, then you're, you're DSQ, you're last place. Wow. So um, it was the— it was 24- a ri- It's a risk. Yeah, exactly. Well, in the 2014 World Championships, uh, the two guys I was talking about earlier here, Brendel and Dos Santos, were wow. going neck and neck. For this, And now this was just a local. This is for a world championship title. So like the, the claim to be best in the world, a thousand meter race. These two guys are going head to head. And uh, Dos Santos tips just before the line. Is that on video? Uh, yeah, it's on video. It's uh, you can see that it's a 2014 World Championships. I'll look on it YouTube. up after this. When we have our producer, um, you look it up. But it's all good. Yeah, you, you just you you look at the race and um, it's you you look at it because on the live stream you see right before and he looks like he just tips just before and it's just like sometimes you can be it's just like it goes down the inches between being a world championship or ending in the water. Um, wow. And, um, yeah, and those are two of the greatest canoeers of all time. Like, um, Brendel won two Olympic gold medals, so Santos won three Olympic medals in Rio in 2016. And you look at the, when we're talking about those two guys of different styles, and they're two of the greatest canoeers of all time. Have you ever met them? Like talk to them? Um, I've uh, actually got a, a funny story about uh, Sebastian Brendel. Um, so this was in Florida camp um, last year, and I was I was a first year on the national team, and um, uh, our coach at the time was Andreas Dittmer. Um, now he is also a three time Olympic gold medalist. Um, he's uh, he's now coaching the uh, the German team, but uh, I had an opportunity to do a wash ride paddle with Sebastian Brendel. And he where's Sebastian from again? Ger- he's from Germany. Germany. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I had the opportunity opportunity to do a wash ride with them. What's a wash ride? Uh, so a wash ride is, uh, so when your boat goes up, it makes a bit of a wake. Okay, yeah. And uh, on the wash, you can sit and paddle on the wash. So whenever we do our long GA1 paddles, we um, uh, you do it as a wash ride. So someone leaves for five minutes, another person sits on the wash in the wave, and then you switch back and forth. Okay, cool. Um, until you finish the 12K. And um, I had the opportunity to go to Brendel. I'm like, all right, yeah, this is pretty cool. Like, And he's also the fastest. He's the reigning world championship at the time. Wow. I kind of knew. I, I went into that, and I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, it was about – he's probably going to go about 15 seconds faster than me for every single kilometer. But my goal is to just try and hold on. And I had a bit of trouble holding onto the wave, and I ended up running into him with my boat. No. <laughs> and I almost knocked him in the water in the canal in Florida. And he's going, like, what are, you do- what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, my God. I am so sorry. I am so embarrassed. I'm like, "I'm like, this is the greatest paddler in the world. And he probably is like, who is this, like, young Canadian kid who's just going running into me? And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And I he's probably like,
0: yelling at you in German, so that's even scarier.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like I was like, it was it was definitely intimidating. It was just like, oh yeah, well you know what? This about as up close and personal experience I'm going to get with the uh, <laughs> arguably the greatest canoeer of all time. It was just like, yeah, well you know what? Uh, I, I might have not have uh, been his training partner, or um, I never got to go up in the line against him yet, but. Um, Ran yeah, his I, boat. Yeah. I, I, I ran into his boat and uh yeah may, maybe he remembers who I am and was just like yeah you might, might see me and be like oh yeah you're you're the kid who ran into me and uh, practiced uh that one time so that's amazing yeah no it's still experiences like that just paddling with the best in the world that's
0: a story man you know you're you're on the water with them. I don't care yeah, if you no, hit him or not who cares yeah
1: like the uh especially like the German team the the German team is their um like they're the they're the top in the world. Like um, they're they're the reigning uh, Olympic champions in 2012 and 16. Um, and uh, like they they like there's a good chance that if you're lining up against a German, they're it's not a matter if they're getting a medal. It's usually what color.
0: I just picture the German team walking into like a bar, almost like in dodgeball, how Globo gym walked in, just all in the same track suits. Walking in professional arms, yeah, cross, yeah, you know, like, you like, know what
1: they—they they do have uh, arguably the nicest tracksuits. Yeah, I ever. knew it. I called it. Yeah, I called oh it. yeah, it's uh, yeah, no. When uh, uh, when I was in World Cup in 2018, um, this this was my first kind of big international event. I was racing the C two five hundred, which is actually now going to be the Olympic C two distance. Cool. Um, they they're switching it from thousand to five hundred. So sometimes seems like they do musical chairs with what events they like to take in and out, but. Uh, that's uh, that's kinda beyond my control, but um. I, uh, one of the guys was, uh, Peter Kretschmer and I was like, oh yeah, this is the guy who won an Olympic gold medalist in, uh, and reigning world champion. He won an Olympic gold medal in 2012. Okay. And this is 2018. You're This talking. is okay. six years later. Okay. And he's still the, he's the reigning world champion. He's still one of the, the top in the world. And I'm looking over and this guy's four lanes over and I'm like, holy crap. Like I'm on the line with the guys that I would watch on YouTube and try and like yeah. learn technical stuff and like idolize. And I'm like, oh, I'm on the line with them, and, that's that's kind of a cool thing about being a part of international competition, and I was pretty young at the time when I was at World Cups, and um, it's just it's uh, it, it's it's quite a crazy feeling because it's just like it's you like especially when i was a like 16 years old and you're you're watching races on you because almost every race is on youtube now and um canoe kayak canada is actually doing a really good job now of putting all of their races on youtube great so from probably about 2017 on from 2017 nationals to about 2021 uh, you can almost see every national race in canada does Benook live stream and do all that stuff uh yep for like all the national events um like whenever we have national team trials or nationals okay. um, they have the live stream on Banook. if you've and- Guys are ever looking for streams like not national, just like local streams or whatever. Let me know. Yeah, we do live for stream, sure. So like, give um, me the connection there. I, I definitely will. Well, um, so uh, Atlantic, so Pee Wee Bantam champs, or it's U twelve, U fourteen champs now. Yeah. Um, so it's um, it's a huge event that uh, Atlantic Division runs, and um, I've uh, I never I got to compete in it once as a kid. Um, but um, I got to coach in that event uh many times, and it's uh, it's just a crazy atmosphere because you have two days of heat. But then you have one day of all finals where every race is a medal race and you have um, like a th- thousand kids and parents um, all around. It's just a just a huge event um, for the kids. Is it on Sunday? Uh, it's usually on a Saturday. Okay. And, um, yeah, no, and uh, the war, war canoe races, um, we haven't been able to do any war canoe races because the pandemic had 15 people in a boat. But um, at these, like, champs and nationals and stuff, like, uh, war canoe is almost a strictly Canadian thing. Is it? I didn't um, know. Oh, really? So they had a demonstration event at the London 2012 Olympics where – um, Chima, and actually, my my coach John um, had a war canoe and did a demonstration event there. But um, it's uh, it's almost entirely in Canada, and it's um, you have 15 people in a boat, uh, you have 14 paddlers, and then you have a captain in the back. But then you have 15 times nine boats across the line, and it is you you look around and it's just like wow, there's a hundred people on the line right now all about to go race for about just two minutes down the course and it's like uh so Sonobi, um i think it's senobi but they do the big horn during the whole race and Sick. at the uh at the Benook tower they do like the the war canoe song which is like the like the epic finale like orchestra song and it's just it's um yeah no it's an it's an exciting event for the kids and um like uh it's uh, it's a it's a local event that it it doesn't ever get any live stream coverage there so i, I think if uh, like high buttons interested in doing um 100% yeah no like uh I'm, i i think the high buttons very well recognized now like the kids like the kids realize oh I'm getting interviewed by high button high buttons watching my race it's uh it's just gonna up the ante what's already a pretty um, hype event for them like the, everybody draws uh, they do flags and all the clubs hang flags from each other's clubs and oh cool the kids run around and try and steal them and <laughs> yeah no it's uh you have you have some kids that are racing in finals and you have other kids whether they didn't make finals or they are younger brothers of other kids and it's like it's like oh yeah like I'm I'm here for Matt. But my goal is to steal a flag. Yeah, 100%. I believe it. Yeah, no, and the division usually has to step in for a few reasons to keep everything from going. We've had everything from parents tackling kids trying to steal flags to an Arenda war canoe. um, Ended up destroying a a water polo net uh, that had a flag hanged up on it. And it's just... it's uh, it, it starts off. as just like, oh yeah, it's just like calm before the storm. And then once the races get going, it turns into almost mayhem. But what's uh, so special about these flags? Um, so all the all these flags are usually chirping the other clubs. Oh my god. So Sonobi will put a flag up, chirping Masqua and Micmac and Banook. And then like, um, Masqua will hang, try and hang a f- uh, flag as high up on the tree as possible, so nobody can try and climb up and reach it and. <laughs> Um. Yeah. No. But uh, there's been been some been some crazy events over uh, champs over the years so that kind of event. But uh, I kind of so I'm uh, usually at the band of champs. I'm usually captaining war canoe. So I'm usually in the back path. So steering. Yeah, yeah. So um, with with war canoe, it's it's really cool because it's the one of the few sports where you as a coach actually get to compete with the kids you coach.
0: I never thought of that. It's almost like a hockey coach, it, but exactly. Playing. It's like it's, that. it's yeah. it,
1: it'd be like being a, a player coach in hockey. Yeah. It's just like oh yeah, you're coaching. The team but yeah you're you're alongside like um
0: because you're allowed to like get a couple oh, strokes. oh yeah like
1: in there. Uh, so um for u12 u14 nationals everything that the captain's allowed the paddle in the back oh yeah as much as you can and it uh it, it, it kind of becomes on you for a bit it's just like oh yeah i gotta give it everything i got too here like yeah, yeah yeah um i've had a few close races where it's just like i'm i'm looking over and i'm just like trying to give it i think one of the hardest races and i've ever had to go through and this is one where i'm in the back of a war canoe and it was 2016 uh, uh u13 mixed war canoe it's just like oh yeah it's it's still like uh almost at like U13 age sports. But um, I had to take strokes on me because of the wind. I had to take strokes on my opposite side. So I canoe on the right side. Yeah. Uh, in working, I had to take all strokes on my left side. And I was like, oh, I can't switch over to my other side. Because if I do that time, I could miss a stroke because it was neck and neck, yeah, back and yeah, forth. And yeah, I was like, yeah. I can't miss any strokes here. And Smart. then I ended up after the race, I sit down and my whole, because it was like, I'm using the opposite muscles of my normal paddling side. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, is this is this the hardest I've ever gone in any race before it's not it's not even my own uh like race like this is this is a kid's war canoe and i'm like oh my goodness i'm like i'm like i'm so sore like i'm like i, I kind of want to just go lay on the dock for an hour oh yeah you give me those i remember the guy behind me back
0: when we did the war yeah. canoe would just oh, he would give her he'd oh, be yeah. swearing at the kids like it's fucking go. let's go let's go <laughs> like he was he was i forget his name but he was a mask coach and with those things yeah. were so intense yeah it's, so intense
1: yeah, no. I, the still one of the most intense races was uh, same year, twenty sixteen. This was so I was in the front of the boat, um, so uh, it was a junior mixed war canoe, and yeah. I was in the very front. So I'm I'm there, like I'm on the line. Like I see just water ahead of me, and I look to the left, and it's just you see boats and boats and my goal is to keep the boat on the line. But then we were on the oh, line yeah, you, for about, the, yeah, you got to back a bit. Right? Yeah, we were yeah. on the line for about ten minutes. Why? Uh, because there was just boats ahead and behind, and we're trying to get a clean start because it's like you're trying trying to get nine boats all line yeah. up equal yeah uh, won't even get started but the 6k good luck trying to get 30 um, under 17 kids all line up for a 6k properly like yeah I remember in my race when I did it in 2015. Um, they, uh, so they started the men's kayak first and then they were coming around, but they had to start us. So we normally supposed to start two minutes behind, but then it's just like, um, time go by and then they're still trying to get everybody on the line. They tried to get in the motorboat to drive across the line to get people to go back. And they're like pushing boats back. But then as soon as they would go by and push one person, they would go ahead. Cause they're, oh, yeah. cause the, the start in those races are pretty important. You, um, you mess up a start in a 6k, you can end up or in a war canoe race, you can end up behind. It can be really hard to come back. Yeah, because there's so much wash. But if um, you get behind, yeah, yeah exactly. But um, eventually they just um, for my six at nationals, they just blew the they just blew the gun and uh, they disqualified the few guys ahead. But the men's kayak were coming around, and because they start the two races at the same time, uh, two minutes apart, and then the men's kayak were about to go because we were lined up on the turn. All these men's kayak were going to come down, and it was like, oh, you got to get these men's canoe off the line because if not, these men's kayak are just going to go run right through all these canoes. Oh fuck. Um, it was just, it was like, I, I, I was on the line there and I'm just like, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I was like, I don't want to be the one person that's way ahead, yeah. but at the same time too, like I can't be behind. So I'm like trying to find that middle ground. I was like, all right, like those two guys are way too ahead. Um, I'll just kind of line up with what I think is these guys kind of here and yeah. uh, I'm going to have to get used to that for that kind of start again for marathon worlds, uh, at the end of September, cause that's going to be, uh. A crazy start like that too. Um, I've never competed that regatta before, but you're going to have anywhere from maybe like twelve to fifteen. You could even have thirty guys all trying to line up at the same time, and it's uh because you you don't want to be behind be behind in a race like yeah. that because being n- nothing's worse than paddling and being someone's wash. It's just a, you're steering yeah. and everything gets all wonky. And it's I just... completely
0: forgot about the chaos before a war canoe career, a war canoe race, war canoe. Yeah. I completely forgot about it. But now that you're mentioning it, 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 that's another intense moment because – Every single, what's the person on the back called? The, uh, the captain
1: the, or coxswain or yeah.
0: let's say captain. The, the captain is yelling, but like you said, there's nine captains. Everyone's stern back, everyone's stern forward. Yeah. That was another moment that I remember just being, holy shit, this is intense as. like yeah. It was. It was definitely a moment that I completely forgot about. But now that you bring it back, I,
1: I it came to me like that. It, that is. It, it is a crazy intense moment yeah no and i've done it at like the atlantic level of like the u12s and u14 i did my first um, national race in 2019 uh, as a work new captain it was u18 mix and it's just there there and it's just like everybody's yelling everybody's oh, trying yeah. to give instructions yeah. you're, you're just telling everybody i was like listen to my voice and my voice only and yeah. when i was younger as as a coach doing that i was just like oh yeah just listen for the voice that's gonna voice crack about halfway through <laughs> but uh <laughs> i remember uh I remember those boats going what like ten miles an hour. Like, yeah, they, they um, like, yeah, they go. Like they go. Yeah, like a like a war canoe race. Like um, especially for like I think in 2019, like a, a U12 war canoe or U12 guys. It was like two minutes and eight seconds. I think it was, which for for 12 year old war canoes or 12 12 uh, year olds in a war canoe, that's a uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty fast race for uh, yeah man. for their their age group. And you look at uh, when you do uh, so senior men's war canoe and junior men's war canoe. That's a thousand meter race. And, oh, my goodness, that, that race is – if that's about as painful as hell as it gets. And I've come second in that uh, junior men's war canoe too many times for me to yeah. want – I'm just like – I'm like, the next time I do that race, we better win because I do not want to go do – a thousand meters like four minutes of work new paddling just to come second again because that is so hard on the body like you just sit down on the you sit down at the race and you're just like i don't want to move i just want to like lay down and like hopefully i'll just wake up and feel better afterwards
0: Have they made any advancements? I remember being uh, on the war canoe or just canoeing in general and my knee killing me. One time they gave me a bag, one time they gave me a block. Yeah. What do you use? And have they made any advancements in the knee placement in the past 15 years?
1: Yeah. So, um, like with, um, so in any like C1, C2, C4, like any like carbon fiber, like actual racing boat, uh, we all use blocks. And ours just screw right into the bottom of the boat. Oh, it screws in now. Um Yeah. Or has um, it always screwed in? Uh, it's always screwed in for, like um for those kind of boats but like at the club level like um it's really um really easy just to give someone a little knee pillow and yeah the bag um, yeah like in, in in war canoe almost everybody uses uh just the bun and it's, it's a little sandbag and uh it, it's uh if if that shifts the wrong way and you, you got your knee on the wood in the middle of the race and you're just like oh i can't move to get it up and it's just like oh yeah well just gotta go deal with the pain for the next little bit and- yeah and I remember jamming my finger a couple times on the boat, like on war canoe. Oh yeah. well, pr- probably Masqua at that time. Um, probably still had those Tropicana boats uh, in full use. They're the big white fiberglass yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those yeah. those ones are now beat the shit now. Though. They still have them there. They, they're they're still around. I think I think one of them just kind of lived outside. But we we did buy a new war canoe, new Bear Mountain one. That's uh, it's like refurbished wood it's absolutely beautiful don't know how much that boat cost but I know it's uh, at least over 10 20,000 probably cool. even more than that but uh, yeah those fiberglass boats and you're because we have to use them for practice like you got yeah. 350 kids and yeah. um, there was one time I was coaching I had a group of over 100 kids and it's just like oh yeah well we got to go get four or five war canoes on the water and you have the Tropicana boats and you got like pieces of wood splintering off and you got like some oh, of the straddle man. bars that are down and kids are like oh yeah I got splinters and I was like yeah I'm sure you probably do but unfortunately there's not much we can do. It's just yeah, it's it's working it's work can, canoe's is a really kind of tough thing where and I, I really hope War Canoe gets a revival back cuz there was no War Canoe anywhere last year and oh, yeah. hopefully like um things open up here where we'll have there won't be any national War Canoe uh races this year. It's actually still in jeopardy whether we'll even have crew boats at nationals. Um but uh for local races we'll we'll have the C2s and C4s but we're hoping it's just like all right like Let's. We need to have war canoe back because war, war canoe is a big thing for like younger people. Like my yeah. uh, my first nationals medal was a bronze in war canoe. It's awesome. And a lot of people like the the big reason why because um, especially at a younger age when you're 15 it can be really hard to qualify a nationals C1 or C2 or C4 depending on who you are but when you get to send 15 people in a war canoe it gives a lot of people a reason to go to nationals for because um, they and, can't
0: get there like individually so they get yeah, there like, at that age yeah, yeah, especially
1: yeah. like younger kids like you have like a few like 14 year olds and it's just like oh they're because the first age for nationals is uh, u16 so it's just like oh they're they might be a year away from competing in all the races at nationals but like maybe they get one of those races whether it's a c4 and then they have two war canoes that's cool they then they have three races at nationals for their first year mm. and um especially when they have nationals here um, so it was supposed to be in 2020, it was supposed to be this year, nationals here. Um, but, um, because, uh, they postponed, they gave it to Ottawa again. So it's now, and then 2022 world championships are actually going to be here. No way. So that's, uh, yeah, I probably should have mentioned that. Sooner,
0: 2022 but, world championships. With yep, so
1: Banook. Yep. At Banook. So that's, like, that's a big kind of, like, that was a long-term goal of mine since they announced it. And it used to be, like, oh, yeah, like, the World Championship, that's going to be the highest competition of that year yeah. um in Dartmouth. And it would be, like, to wear a Team Canada jersey in front of friends and family and all that stuff would be uh, it'd just be phenomenal like and usually they take bigger teams of that and it's uh, like um canada in recent years like they um they've only been focusing on olympic events but um when we're going to host a world championship you're going to see a canada boat on the line in every single race hopefully so
0: world championship sorry Is yeah, that, okay. yeah world, so, so
1: world championship so you're going to have the best paddlers of every country around the world all in dartmouth next year
0: dude okay yeah. So, so you got to you, you need I need a contact from you then to somehow get involved in that because. Yeah, like no, weather definitely just...
1: for sure. Well, um, yeah, no, like um, they're going to be there's going to be a lot of media. Probably they're going to be looking to contact. So like, OK, cool. I mean, like you've done great stuff with the hockey and everything. And I think uh, any anybody who looks at any of your footage are going to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we'll. You'll have a media pass for all it's the paddling easy. events and everything because um, n- not just that. You're going to have probably anywhere from 50 countries, and you're going to have thousands. They Basically, that Prince Albert Road, they're going to have that all grandstands all on the side. And, no. Um, I'll, awesome. I'll Yeah, I'll, I'll have to dig up a picture of when they had Worlds here in 09, or I think it was – yeah, 09 was the last time. Then they had it in 97 as well too. I
0: have the picture. I know exactly the picture yeah, that you're you, talking you know, about. If you know the picture I'm it's talking about. It's on our website.
1: Is, yeah, it's, uh, it's one hell of a scene, so yeah. it's – uh, and I'm like – I'd be like, I'm I'm thinking it's just like, yeah, like even with the pandemic and stuff. And it was like, I'm still pushing her because at the end of the day, like 2022 Worlds are in Dartmouth. No matter what happens, I could um i'm i'm like no matter what i want to be trained in full steam ahead for for that the race um and i think a lot of people because usually after an olympic year like a lot of people end up retiring Mm. um but because the olympics was postponed a full year and then worlds are in next year it's gonna it's gonna keep a lot more people in the sport i think from from a national level like olympics is usually a a, um after whether people make it or not a lot of people end up retiring but um i think it should keep our, our our team and our group size like a at the end of the day you want your best of your best racing yeah. on the line for team canada awesome and having it the year after the olympics i think will keep a, a lot of people in canada still training just as hard as they would for the olympics so yeah
0: keep the momentum going in the sport for the next couple of years
1: exactly nice all
0: right man we're coming over over an hour uh, brett i appreciate yeah, no, you coming yeah, over no, yeah thank, thank you very thank much you.
1: for having me on the show again like any time, i really appreciate it uh always yeah, have yeah. always have a great time on here and uh yeah, no, looking forward to seeing you again. Absolutely. I look forward to the worlds next year that we definitely want to be doing something there. That's sick. I oh, also yeah, want to definitely. do some like maybe some like video
0: footage. Like we're trying to get involved in like other sports. Like, we're, I don't know, like, we're gonna go like lawn bowling soon. We're gonna go like fencing, like, canoeing yeah, well, would be a great Yeah, uh, Well, one.
1: you guys had uh, my dad on on the golf. The, uh, yeah, your dad yeah, a was out the other ago. day. Yeah, 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 no, uh, yeah, no. My so it was actually funny. Uh, my dad and my uncle uh, raided my wardrobe to get all their their, their outfits and stuff like <laughs> that. That. Like, that shirt was that yeah, shirt yours? The, the Pink Whitney. Oh, of course, that's mine. There's no way my dad would ever own something like that, but um. I mean permanently. Whenever he needs something like that, it's just like, oh yeah, go look down that's in Brett's closet. You know, he's got a few neon colored items there. That's <laughs> that's going that's going to look good for the show. So <laughs> normally, yeah, Neely. Um... Uh, my dad's buddy he's usually the one that has the uh is the craziest dressed one he's he's got the whole piano man suit and everything it's uh i remember I went to a few memorial cup games of him and he's he's there in a full-on like uh, that's amazing. like piano man like colorful like you got 20 colors a full suit and everything it's just like man it's just like you're the only guy that can pull that i can I, I can pull off a few colors here but no he he does it with such confidence and aurora and it's just like eh, yeah you know what that you're that's that's a one-of-a-kind kind of thing so
0: Clavis. All right, we're out. Everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in. Enjoy the week. Have fun. Summer's here. We're out.
2: Eh, eh, So now I'm solo that I can see under the skirt of an ant. Solo that I don't get high no more when I just no more. I just go ant. Solo my cup is a rojo. My cholo my friend. Solo that I can admit when I hear that another kid is shot by the popo. It ain't an event no more. Solo that no more high is so hard to wear polo. When I do, I cut the pony off. Now there's a hole that once was a logo. How fitting. Solo that I can give a fuck about what is trending Trying to cut down on my spending regardless of winning Instead of pretending and bending over backwards Over half of the whole had work done Saying they want something real from a man Just saying that we being real persons I hate that it's like this, I feel for you And I don't know what it's like with a skirt on So part of me if I am being insensitive But darling, this only worse, sons Solo my halo, say, wait, low, it feel like it's been. Solo that when they throw pussy up pesos Don't pay no attention to it Solo that I am no rookie but feel like a kid Looking at the other kids with astonishment While I'm on punishment Watching the summer come close to an end After 20 years in, I'm so naive I was under the M Pressuring that everyone wrote their own verses It's coming back different and yeah that shit hurts me I'm humming and whistling to those not deserving I stumbled and lived every word Was I working just way too hard?